folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find the common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And man, is it an exciting show today. We're back from break. We're doing a format change from here on out. It's all tabletop RPGs all the time. We got, got dungeons, my 20-sided dragons. right here. That's right. I hope you guys are ready to talk about debuffs and dex mods, because that's all we're doing from here on out. No, that's no, not. That's, that's, that's not true. <laughs> Although we'd probably be a lot more popular. Those, yeah, those things pr- are really big. <laughs> we probably would. Hey, it's great to be back. We're glad you guys are back with us. Uh, man, it was a, it was really nice to take that break. Yeah, uh, I think I are, needed it. You needed yeah, it. I definitely needed it. But we were excited to be back in the saddle. But before we just jump right in, how did your break go? Man, my break was awesome. Uh, I got my first Vegas experience. Yeah. Uh, took a very small budget with me to Vegas. And I walked out with more money than I came with, all thanks to a shaman woman. Yeah, I was going to say, you did this like movie style, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. really, really did. Uh, so I, I met this woman who said she does, uh, uh, you know, guided meditation and massage. And yeah, yeah. I was a little skeptical. And my buddy said she's a hooker. And yeah. I was like, no, I don't think that's what it is. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, turns out maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I got a guided meditation session. And she stepped through opening my chakras, taught me breathing techniques, and then and then tapped open my third eye at the end. And uh, we ended up talking to like five in the morning, right? It's the last day before I leave Vegas. Right. Uh, I've pretty much broken even at the poker table the whole time. Uh, lost a ton of money on food and drinks and stuff. Uh, but I've been saving my pocket change the whole time. And I had yeah. a stack of quarters, nickels, and dimes. And I was planning on making some kind of wild bet uh, walking out the door. Um and so I go and I'm walking around the, t- the tables and I'm like, okay, maybe a roulette spin, you know, and I'm, and I'm looking at the little numbers and 21 hadn't hit all day. Uh, and I'm like, no, nah, we need bigger than that. You know? So I find this high roller slot machine. It's got like a $2 million jackpot. Right. Uh, it's 25 bucks a spin. I've got 25 bucks from my pocket change. I'm like, meh, why not? <laughs> yeah. Put the 25 bucks in the machine, one spin, bam, winner. <laughs> So I look at my buddy and he'd thrown in five bucks with me. And I'm like, I, I didn't, I didn't do this for, you know, a $400 win. Like yeah. I'm going big or I'm going home broke. And he's like, I'll oh, just cut me out my hundred bucks, you know, yeah, cause yeah. he'd throw. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Boom, boom, boom. Hitting the machine, hitting the machine. Boom. Another, you know, 500 bucks. Yeah. And at this point I'm like eyes wide. And I'm like, we got an hour and a half till we got to catch our Uber to the airport. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what do I do? So I go back over to the this roulette is, this table. This is normally how stories end in heartbreak. In Vegas, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. right. So I go back over to the roulette table. 21 still hadn't hit. I plop down max bet on 21 and I close my eyes and I do the breathing techniques that yeah. uh, that this lady has taught me, and I imagine tendrils coming, I swear to God, coming out of my body <laughs> and taking the ball and putting it on 21, and I open my eyes as she's saying, 21 black! <laughs> and and boom, she shoves this huge stack of chicks, chips over at me. The whole place is going nuts, I, going wild. I bet. The guy next to me is like, you're my hero, man. You're leaving right now. And I take my <laughs> chips, I cash out, and I go to the airport. That's, that's <laughs> how it's done right there, man. <laughs> no, that is... It was amazing. amazing, dude. It was oh, like yeah. it was like a movie story. So mine, mine, I beat Vegas, and I don't ever have to go back. So <laughs> yeah, take that, the suckers, because yeah. <laughs> it wasn't all that cool to begin with. My, I would say my break was not anywhere near as eventful, but it was still it was it was wonderful. For one, 
I spent a healthy amount of time in my underwear playing that PlayStation yes. that we had talked about. <laughs> uh, and that was great in and of itself. How do you like that Spider-Man? The, oh, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Spider-Man, if you're a nerd like me, Spider-Man is maybe the best thing that's happened in six years. I mean, it was it was fantastic. But uh, I'll tell you, the probably the best part of my break was like the month of December, other than a little bit of checking in because we had that one episode. Uh, I didn't look at Twitter. I didn't look at news stories. Yeah. I didn't look at, like, I didn't even mess with Facebook. I, I just completely off that. And man, like birds were singing and like, you know, there was like, all of a sudden I could, I could feel nature and you know, all this stuff. And I, I felt better about myself. It was the holidays too. I'm sure that had something to do with it. And what was interesting is as we turned into January and I was like, okay, it's time to get back in the swing. Let's see what's been going on. You know, find out about the shutdown and all that good stuff. Um, the first time that I opened up Twitter, like I had it open for six minutes and I like threw my phone <laughs> back down. Immediately and felt like, the darkness and depression like, creeping back into your life. Is that what I've been doing to myself <laughs> for a year? Oh my God. It took me, and thank you, by the way, for keeping the account going. <laughs> More or less. Because so. it took me for like, you know, like a hard week before I would just like sit there and look at Twitter the way I did last year to figure out what was going on, you know? And um, what's interesting, I think, is that we had planned for our first episode back to be about the shutdown. We were going to go in-depth about the shutdown. You know, it's been dominating the story. And, you know, right now we're on the three-week hiatus from the shutdown. But we had decided. We were like, whether the shutdown's still going or not. Yeah. We've, this is an important issue. we right. got to cover it. And people, if it's something people misunderstand. Right. Um, so we were going to bring some light to it. And then that very thing, that the, the, it just so perfectly encapsulates the essence of why I was disgusted with Twitter when I opened it back up. A new story broke right before we were going to record. Uh, it's the MAGA hat kids in Washington, D.C. And, and I, I just from Covington I, Catholic, our home state of Kentucky. Right. And, I, and there you want to talk about signs. There's a sign. I felt like we had to talk about yeah, it. So. Well, and it and the story totally eclipsed everything. It did. Yeah, it eclipsed yeah. the shutdown. It eclipsed tons of stuff going on. Uh, it was it's and it arguably still is bigger than anything. We're recording on the Sunday before the Thursday we release. Right. And NPR did a big special, uh, you know, on my way over here. Yeah. Um, you know, talking for two hours about this thing, which so, was is interesting because, I mean, you know, it's an outrage story. It is. And, and, you know, we get outrage stories every week. But that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, this one, we're, we're a good seven days in. And I, it's just different. This I've you know, we'll get to it in the heart of the episode, but I feel like. With this story, something has fundamentally changed, and I think we have to talk about that. Yeah, I think so too. And 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 honestly, through through this whole thing, you know, and we're talking about the smirking kid and and the Native American, uh, you know, Phillips, yeah. uh, banging the drum. Uh, throughout this whole thing, I think my outlook has changed too. Yeah. And and we'll get and 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 my my outlook certainly changed from the first video I saw. Yeah, you know, to the things that spiraled out of it. Uh, yeah. eventually. Well, let's kind of, let's kind of lay out the timeline, right? So it starts out Friday, January 19th. Uh, this incident happens and then a viral video about a, a 30 second snippet, you know, maybe shorter, maybe longer, uh, spreads Saturday morning. And the initial video is a video of, like you said, Nathan Phillips, a native Amer American elder playing a, a drum, uh, right there with a kid in a MAGA hat smirking at him. And he's got this look on his face that is <laughs> that intense. Smirk. That right, smirk. right. And there's a group of kids around and they're all, you know, hooting and hollering and, uh, you know, doing all this stuff. And I got to say, when I first looked at it later on in the week, 
people would post pictures uh, back during the civil rights struggle when like a black person would do a sit-in and there'd be a group of white racists around him yelling at him, jeering at him, calling yeah. him names, trying to end. And that's the first thing I thought of. And you actually hit me up uh, on that Saturday, the 20th, and you were, you know, asking me what I thought about it and everything. And that was like my first reaction. I was like, oh, this is unacceptable. Yeah. And these kids have swarmed around this dude and, I, you know, we can't have this. Yeah. The, the interesting thing at that point when I hit you up, so my first reaction to this video, I've seen that smirk, you know, a hundred times on 40, 50 different kids and each one of them I wanted to punch in the face. That kid <laughs> immediately got the Martin Shkreli reaction from me. Like, just <laughs> look at this, you know, entitled smug prick, prick. smug yeah. prick of a character here. Um, and, and, and that was, you know, that was pretty much it. I was like, look at this smug prick, you know, being, being a jerk to this native guy. But the headlines that were attached to the video didn't really match what I saw in the video. So everything was saying, you know, these kids surrounded him and were saying, build the wall, build the wall. And at that point, I had not seen build the wall anywhere. So I texted you and I was like, hey, you know, where is the evidence of of this this MAGA racism? You know, I don't yeah. see it in the video. Right, right. Um, and this was before any other videos had, you know, I just had this weird feeling like I wanted to punch the kid, but yeah. I still felt like, where's the context around this? Right. Um, and, and soon we started seeing more context emerge. Of course, well, everyone's got their phones. We've got 20 different angles. Um, so more and more videos started leaking. Right. Let's, let's first though, let's go with one of the first major stories that came from any of the major outlets, uh, which was a story by Washington post. And they actually interviewed Nathan Phillips on Saturday. And this is basically his account of what had happened. He says, uh, or it says in an interview Saturday, Phillips 64 said he felt threatened by the teens and that they swarmed around him as he and other activists were wrapping up the march and preparing to leave. Phillips, who was singing the American Indian Movement song that serves as a ceremony to send the spirits home, said he noticed tensions beginning to escalate when the teens and other apparent participants from the nearby March for Life rally began taunting the dispersing indigenous crowd. Phillips said a few people in the March for Life crowd began to chant, build that wall, build that wall, though such chants are not audible on video. It was getting ugly, and I was thinking, I've got to find myself an exit out of this situation and finish my song at the Lincoln Memorial, Phillips recalled. I started going that way, and that guy in the hat stood in my way, and we were at an impasse. He just blocked my way and wouldn't allow me to retreat. Again, when I, when I hear that story and I see that 30-second video, I, you know, I envision these kids swarming around him and taunting him, and it evokes images from civil rights, and I get real pissed off. About three o'clock Saturday afternoon, I see this other video, right? And it's, it's about a seven or eight second long video, and it clearly shows Nathan Phillips approaching them right. with the drums. And he's actually got some people with him and everything. And that was the first moment where I was like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? And slowly throughout Saturday and into the evening, more and more video starts appearing. Because like you said, there's about 75 people at this incident. Right. They're all taking footage from different angles. And, and by that time, we get video uh, from a new group that's been introduced to the situation. That's the Black Hebrew Israelites, uh, you know, a group of five or six guys who, uh, who were antagonizing uh, these kids, definitely. Saying, right. uh, you know, calling, uh, what, 
crackers and yeah, and uh, incest saying, kids, incest, incest kids. kids yeah, uh, yeah. You know, said your your president's a homosexual. Yeah. And at that part of the video, I see a whole group of MAGA hat wearing kids go, "Oh, what? Yeah. Who cares? You know, yeah. why does anyone care if Trump's a homosexual?" And and that warmed my heart. It really did. And yeah. it, and then you see you see him say. To the kids, uh, there, you know, there's a black kid. Of course, there's one black yeah. kid in the group of Covington Catholic well, kids. Yeah. Um, but they they say, you know, they're going to harvest your organs when you're of age or something. Yeah, yeah. And and you see a guy, excitable guy, you know, grab their friend and hug him and say, "We love him." And this is happening, you know, prior to Phillips getting involved. There's this right. huge exchange um, between a group of of people heckling these kids. And the kids responding, and and I didn't see any uh, any violent behavior from either side. I didn't right. see, um, you know, it, it didn't seem out of control to me at right. all. So at 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 some point, that interaction starts changing, and the kids have now apparently said they've asked permission to do school chants, and mm-hmm. they start doing these school chants, which are which are loud. Yeah. Uh, and boisterous and they're jumping up and down, you know, like you would at a pep rally. Right. They're getting excited and and they're doing this to to drown out this interaction. Yeah, which um, is almost exactly why it's so loud. It's like they're trying it, it's one of the interesting things to me is at this point these kids are trying to drown out hate. Yes. Hate is being thrown at them and their their response is can we do school cheers to drown this out? Now one of them uh, one of the school cheers, you know, one of the kids, he he takes off his jacket and he takes off his shirt and they get all hype and they do like a rendition, a takeoff on the, the, the Haka, the Maori, uh, war dance that the all blacks do before rugby matches. Okay. And, and, you know, and, and granted I get you, you know, that is obviously a, a war Haka, right? That's like what old Maori tried, <laughs> right, right. you know? So I understand how aggressive that seems, but at the same time, like the kids, in my opinion, that is that is something that they do at like their school football games and school you know functions and all that stuff. They are trying to do something positive rather than argue with these guys. Right, they're trying to, and then yeah. and this is the point where you see Phillips start approaching the group. Right, um, and he's banging a drum, and you and and from my perspective, I saw a lot of kids in that crowd get excited. They yeah. were like, oh, you know, because he's kind of banging in time to him. You yeah. know, all this is happening at once. If you're in a group jumping up and down, you, you, you could be forgiven for thinking that he's banging in that, time with That them, right? he's banging in time with right. you, right? So it, at that point, you've got kids jumping up and down with him. you got some in the back doing the arm wave like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh. And then you've got a pan to a kid doing the tomahawk gesture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. incredibly There was actually, I think there are two kids doing the tomahawk and there's actually, you can faintly hear um, at least uh, we'll say six, seven kids. You know what I'm saying? If I had to guess, and that's just a guess, uh, it sounds like the Florida state chant uh, underneath. Oh, it, really? Which is the, oh, oh, oh yeah. you know what I mean? Which again, it would be incredibly insensitive in that moment, you know, yeah. in the tomahawk chant. Yeah, the totally tomahawk inappropriate. Chant. Totally inappropriate. But, I never saw any media media outlet cover the tomahawk guy ever, right, not right. once. You know, that's that's just a that's just a side note. It's a little like huh? Yeah, until like it was four or five days in before it came up. We'll we'll get to that, right? So so then you've got Phillips approaching and he's banging a drum, and you can clearly see him walk up to this crowd. You know, the right. crowd has stayed right where they are. They are. And come come to find out that they're at the Lincoln Memorial waiting to be escorted to their bus. That was right. like the the assigned meeting place. Uh, you know, it was time After to go they'd home. Walked around the mall. And That's everything. right. Yep. Right. They had their free time. 
so you clearly see Philip's approach, and that's you know you start to see his story completely going hogwash to me. Yeah. Um, and and you also clearly see a group of kids separate when he meets you know when he meets smart kid. Yeah. Uh, you see a group of kids clear out a space around them. Yeah. So now it's just him. Yeah. And and the smart kid. Yeah. And he is beating from the from the second angle. He's beating that drum incredibly close <laughs> yeah. to this kid's face. And granted, he probably should have walked away. You know, the kid. Eh, there's there's an issue of respect. There's an I, issue. I of don't. All these I things. don't know, man. Actually, when I watch that, this is what I see. All right, I see Phillips in the crowd. Like you said, the kids think I think initially that he is standing with them, maybe or celebrating with them, or whatever. You know, whatever they had going through their minds. Well, you start to notice that the, the chants, their school chants and everything, start to die out. They definitely go out do. of rhythm and all this stuff. So what I see is the kid who ends up smirking in the video is talking, it looks like, to another kid. He's looking off to like his right. And Phillips comes up to him, and the impression I get is that this kid looks around, and it's happening to other kids in the crowd. I see it on their faces. All of a sudden, they're like... What the hell's going on? Well, you actually me. hear someone say, what is going on? Yeah, like, what, what is this? You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, this whole issue about the, the kid should have got out of the way. I mean, the dude walked up to him and stopped. I mean, it's, you know, he made no effort to go either way. You know what I'm saying? It was this clear he just, could get around the kid. Yeah, this kid no just question. turned around. And I think what we're seeing in that smirk is just the most intense awkwardness of I don't know. It's like it's like Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights. I don't know what to do with my hands. Like see, that's, that's what I see this, on that kid's face. This thing is like is like a Yanni and Laurel. It's like the it's like the dress, yeah. the gold black blue dress. Because to me, in that smirk, I saw I saw all of the smug crappiness. Like I didn't see confusion. I didn't see that. You know, yeah, well. I saw it as a kid standing there like. How dare this old man come up and try to punk me out with his drum in my face? Like you, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like that's what me, I see. For I, me, it's hard. It's hard to even imagine that being someone's first reaction to a Native American elder approaching you with a drum. It, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, granted, he was in Washington D.C. He may have known that there was an Indigenous People's March going on. I don't know. But for me, if I'm standing on a quarter and I turn around. And there's a Native American elder banging a drum about an inch away from my face. My first reaction is, what the hell is going on? Where am I? What has happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I My I, first I reaction, it. honestly, if I was there, I might I might have smacked him. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I mean, a guy, old guy comes up and starts beating a drum so close to my face that I'm going to flinch. Right. Uh, I, it might have... I might have pushed him. I, you know, probably <laughs> not. I probably would have walked away or something. Maybe stood there smirking like an idiot. I, right, right. I don't know. But it's clear at this point that two separate narratives exist. Mm-hmm. Even though the video evidence that that we've now received does clearly doesn't match what's being published and what Mr. Phillips is saying. Right. I mean, there's no question. Well, about that. Mr. Phillips, to his credit. Uh, tried to help that out by making what he was saying match right. what so, was on the video. So here we have you know a second account from Mr. Phillips, and this was published by Detroit Free Press. Uh, they say, they were in the process of attacking these four black individuals, Phillips said. I was there, and I was witnessing all of this. As this kept going on and escalating, it just got to a point where you do something or you walk away, you know? You see something that's wrong, and you're faced with that choice of right or wrong. Phillips said some of the members of the black Hebrew group were also acting up, saying some harsh things, 
and that one member spit in the direction of the Catholic students. So I put myself in between that, between a rock and a hard place, he said. But then the crowd of mostly male students turned their anger towards Phillips. There was that moment when I realized I've put myself between beast and prey, Phillips said. These young men were beastly, and these old black individuals was their prey, and I stood in between them, and so they needed their pounds of flesh, and they were looking at me for that. That is, that is quite the departure from I was going about my business at this march when I was surrounded by white kids, and I'm desperately trying to get away. I mean, that, that's what he said. He said, uh, I started going that way, and that guy in the hat stood in my way, and we were at an impasse. He blocked my way and wouldn't allow me to retreat. It's actually what wouldn't allow you to retreat is the group of other, you know, indigenous peoples that were behind you. Right. With, with who were also and, taunting the crowd. In fact, one of them, uh, you know, starts telling the kids to go back to Europe. the kids to go back to Europe. You know, right. so uh, it, and, and again, there's also, there was a CNN interview where Phillips uh, tells this story and he gives, in my opinion, almost a third uh, different account because he is much softer on the black Israelites. And that account uh, he says something to the effect of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with everything that the black guys were saying, but they were speaking their truth and they were dropping some good history and stuff. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that's really got me through all this is because, you know, I remember an early news report uh, just referred to the black guys as, as a group, a group, a group of, of men preaching the Bible. Well, the and SPLC the only, you know, has them listed as a hate group. Right. And, and that's not to take the attention off, uh, you know, off of these kids. I, I don't think it matters. I, we're not having a conversation about, you know, black Hebrew Israelites and, and who they are. I don't think that matters in this situation because when this thing first came out, none of this other, other video evidence was, was apparent. You know, we right. didn't know there was a group of, of, of black Hebrew Israelites, you right. know, starting, starting a ruckus. I think what happened, um, instead of seeing that kid as an individual, he was wrapped up in, in a stack of identities, right? Mm-hmm. So first, he was a smug, rich, white kid wearing a MAGA hat with a group of MAGA hat-wearing kids behind them. They're from a Catholic school at a pro-life rally. Right. Like These things start adding up to equal the worst things that, that you know, people on the left look as a representation of 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 all that's wrong with society, of the systematic bigotry and the hatred, um, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, Christian kids. We automatically put them in the group of the Westboro Baptist Church. Right. You know, they 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 automatically belong to the worst of all of these things. And I think you saw people removing the benefit of doubt from them. So so they couldn't, you know, this kid it couldn't be an innocent smirk at this point. He has got all of these attachments to symbols that we've created and, and built for the, for the worst parts of society. Well, that sounds, that sounds very familiar to me. Oh yeah. Actually. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would ask how is that different? Like treating this kid like that based on that, then, you know, looking at a young black kid who's wearing a hoodie and has his pants sagging or has a previous post on his Facebook page, uh, you know, reciting rap lyrics or whatever and saying he must have been the troublemaker. He must have started this. Well, so so in spirit, it's not different, right? I mean, you're right. you're making a judgment about an individual uh, based on your judgments about the larger group. I think there's context involved. I mean, it, it, 
he, context that does what? I mean, I mean, a context of 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 racial hatred in America. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a context which is also fomented oftentimes by that very same group of people, by by the MAGA hat wearing. I mean, you can't. I don't think it's fair to say all MAGA all people who wear the MAGA hat are racist. I I don't think that's fair. Yeah, at all. but I mean, so that's the but but that is in fact the behavior that I think took place right here. Is that the 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 MAGA hat scene? The then they find out about the Catholic school and all that stuff, and it's done. It's over with and done. There, then, and and we saw that because now you know the other video comes out and people were doubling down. They were. They're they're seeing that things contradict Philip's story and he's changing his story and all this stuff, and people are just doubling down. Well, on they it still with, see with, the blue dress. Yeah, exactly, man. And that's and that's one of the interesting things, you know. Uh, there's there's a guy that does what we do, Dan Carlin. He does it way better than what we do, <laughs> but he does hardcore history. And he had another show called uh, Common Sense, and it was a show where he talked about politics and stuff. And about a year and a half ago, uh, he he pretty much just like stopped that show. And, and right right when Trump was elected, yeah, right? right when Trump was elected. And in that last episode, and he, he was a he was a right winger, right? He's a conservative. No, well, he's he would actually take issue with that. He's He's a, he's a libertarian. Maybe he leans a little right wing, but he's right wing like me. There's a lot of left in there. You yeah. know what I mean? But he had this quote in his last episode before he discontinued the podcast. And, and we are, we are paraphrasing from a Reddit user. You know, he had posted this. I, I did not have the time to go back and listen to the episode and pull it out directly. But basically what Dan Carlin said, uh, he's jealous of his mother's book club. They all get to gather and decide on a book to read, then all go and read that book. When they come back to their group meeting, they're going off of the same narrative. Everyone can disagree about their opinions on the book, the actions of the characters, how it was written, etc., but they can't disagree on the story. They're reading the same book, and the facts are facts. He said, when we have discussions about the issues, mostly on social media or the media has their talking heads, we aren't even reading the same book. And so useful conversation is out the door. It's all outrage at each other. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a brilliant analogy, and I think nowhere is it more evident than right here. Yeah. Because I, that's, that's why I'm hitting this so hard on the similarities, because you, there has to be an explanation for how you can look at that video and, you know, maybe you don't give them all the benefits of the doubt that I give them. Maybe you don't think that the the chants were dying down. Maybe you don't think, maybe you think the kid was smug. You yeah. know, that's, that's, you know, where you're at. Um, but it's not kids surrounding them. And for you to look at that video, in fact, there's one Twitter personality that was like, oh, the long video, it's so much worse. Okay, <laughs> I can objectively state that the long video is not so much worse than what we all initially thought. Right. We all initially thought that a rabid pack of children had surrounded this man ready to beat him within an inch of his life at any moment. Right. The long video objectively is not worse. So if that's where you're at, like trying to win this, this Twitter argument and stuff, suddenly we're working off two different stories. And, and that's a problem because I don't know how we're ever going to reconcile that. And that's what enables all this wackiness. That's true. It's true. I think, I think there's, a, there's a larger problem too because even if we could agree on the story, um, even if everything, the worst the worst things were were true. The reaction uh, that people had to this thing as it happened was just abysmal. Right. You had people uh, calling for the death of these kids. Someone tweeted, and I think got fired for it, uh, that they wished a school shooting would happen 
you know, at, yeah. at Covington Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is kind of it's kind of crossing the threshold, right? Like any no, of you- these individual behaviors. All right, say say this kid was absolutely disrespectful and even racist to this Native American elder, right? 16-year-old kid, I'll remind you, front, frontal lobe not even fully developed yet. Right. Um, say the kid tomahawking was absolutely right. I think, he, I think that's a pretty pretty racist thing to do. Yeah. At the very least, super insensitive and, and deserves some, for, some form of, of punishment, admonishment. Um, we have stepped way beyond that. So right. there's, we, we're no longer talking about individuals engaging in poor behavior and how we as a society go about correcting that. We've gone straight to mob mentality. We have right. overridden any form of individual in this situation at all, and we've and we've attached the entire group's weight to these kids, mm-hmm. to kids, yeah. and and you know you've got it's just it's just weird. It's right. just weird. Any other time, you know, kids are kind of they're kind of sacred. They were sacred when David Hogg uh, came out of Parkland. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. they're they're. Well, and when we when we stand up about kids being tried as adults, absolutely right. Like like the argument there is that they are minors and should you know we they don't really have things figured out yet. They can't serve in the military. They can't drink. They can't smoke. Like you know, I heard I heard an but interesting. But we can hold them responsible for for an entire histories of of hatred, bigotry, racism. Right. Um. You know, I don't think it's fair to make a symbol that big. Well. I heard an interesting comparison that it's it's a, it's a weird juxtaposition because right now in this country we have this movement to restore voting rights to felons, uh, nonviolent offenders, right? We have the Florida, you know, it was legalized. There's a movement in New Mexico now. Uh, we've even got one in Kentucky here. And uh, and what's interesting is like one of the arguments is, you know, well, you're talking about people who did something years ago. Uh, you know, they were practically kids or, the, you know, why is it going to ruin their whole life? But in this instance, we are completely okay. With doxing these kids, putting their information out there, they're getting phone calls day and night, death threats. The school had to be shut down. There was a guy, uh, Jack Morrissey, who is, uh, was a producer on the, the Beauty and the Beast remake. He said these kids should be thrown in the wood chipper and had a picture, you know what I mean? The wood chipper. Now, wow. he's, he's since come out and said that that was satire. I, you know, I, don't, I don't know where he's going with that. But that, that's what I'm saying. Like Everyone was frenzied and ready to go, and to me, I think, I'm going to say it again, that we have turned a corner. And when I see that frenzied mob mentality uh, basically coming at these kids because of the hat that they were wearing, and, and, it, and it most certainly is because look at it, four or five days later, uh, Alyssa Milano comes out and says that the MAGA hat is, a, is the new, the new white, white hood. hood. And, right? And man, and there's some, the thing is, 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 is the, Trump, the Trump regime, the MAGA movement, has become has become a symbol of racism and bigotry, right? Right. And I think making the comparison to a white hood, uh, talk about false equivalence. I mean, we're not we're not lynching people in the streets, right? Um, you know, no one no one's being hung. All these terrible things happened, but but they weren't MAGA hat wearers, you know. So, right. so at the very least, let's not make the false equivalence and say they're all KKK members. Right. I don't think that's fair. I think that takes that takes weight away from from the words we use to describe people. I think it it takes away how terrible the KKK is. It takes right. away how terrible, you know, white supremacy is. It actually I feel like this situation has spiraled to the point where it's where it's hurting the movement. Right. It's make it so imagine being a, a imagine being a kid at that rally, right? Maybe 
I don't know how many of those kids are racist. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm not going to make a judgment about that, but I guarantee you there are kids in that group who are not racist. Right. You know what I'm saying? Who yeah. are not, who were not raised racist, who do not think that white people are superior. Imagine being that kid and being painted by the media, by Twitter, by an entire mob of millions of people as a racist. What does that do to you right. as, a, as a kid from here on out? You're, you're not liable to vote Democrat right, ever right. again in your life. Right. I mean, let's be honest. The other really weird thing about politicizing um, the, the, the question of race, about politicizing race, is that now we pose the Democratic Party as the, as the answer to racism. And if you think that, that lots of Democrats in the upper echelons aren't racist, buddy, I got land to sell you. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. because the white, I, white supremacy is real. There's plenty of people who, who hate black people and hate minorities, and they sit on both sides. Absolutely. They hold, they hold seats of power on both sides. So when we raise this false, uh, this false decision of either, either you know, fighting racism by voting Democrat or, or allowing racism by, by voting Republican, we lose the ability to fight racism. Right. Because it's happening over here too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think comparing it, comparing it to the white hood specifically though, it, it, it's ignorant and it's, and it's part of those two, the two separate narrative thing, you know, because with the KKK, all right, if you're putting on the white hood today in January of 2019, all right, you know exactly what that hood means. Yeah. Okay. There is no question. No question whatsoever. However, the, the left, it would feel like, or the progressives are trying to dictate that the same is the case with the MAGA hat. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I see you wearing a MAGA hat, I do automatically start deducting IQ points. I, in <laughs> fact, I was at Taco Bell a couple weeks ago. There was a guy walked in with a MAGA hat, and I was just like, eh. You know what I mean? I had that happen right before this story uh, broke. Now, part of that for me is because if, um, you know, pick anybody, if any politician had a hat and you're the type of person that wears the hat <laughs> of your favorite politician, like I, I just ain't got a lot of time for you. But the point is, is that it, to me, looking at those kids, I can fully envision a world where those kids do not see the MAGA hat as a racist symbol when they put it on. They well, see a maligned I, President Trump and everything else. Right, I think it's that's It's nothing like that white hood. When you, and, and we've talked about all these issues uh, you know, over the last season of the show. You can go back and hear um, you know, where we've talked about the Muslim ban, where mm. we've talked, and there, there's still, there's plausible deniability throughout all of this. You know, right. okay, it's not all Muslim countries. Right. Um, the, the list was put together by the FBI um, you know, that said these are, these are dangerous terrorist countries. It was put together by the Obama administration. Right. So in all of these things, even if we talk about the transgender ban that's going on right now, there's plausible deniability. Oh, we're not banning all transgender people. We're only banning trans transgender people during their transition, at which point they might pose you know, a, a hazard to the cohesion of the unit. Right. So if you are following these stories from the right, you, you are denying... And, and, and you're able to, there's plausible deniability. Right, right. This isn't transphobia. This isn't racism. That allows a, a, a non-racist, quote-unquote, person to, to align with the Republican Party, well, even if they're not a transphobe or they're not a racist. And, and to me, that plausible deniability means that that MAGA hat cannot possibly represent what you're saying, you know, as soon right. as you put it on, it can't. You're being well, dishonest. You're being disingenuous. It's something that we can talk about. Like, you can... You can continue to make the case 
that the 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 MAGA movement is a racist movement. Sure. And we can continue to to but have we reached the point where it's a damnable offense to even put it on? No, I don't think so by any stretch of the Well, I think to a lot of these people, they have. Well, I, mean, I, I think, and I, I think, know for a fact. In fact, I got in a Facebook conversation and, and no one would answer my question. My big questions are, uh, you know, does it matter that these guys are just kids? Does it matter that Phillips approached them instead of the other way around? Um, and and what, it, what that conversation eventually boiled down to was, yes, the MAGA hat alone was enough to damn these kids. See, that was it. That's all it took. In the MAGA hat at a, at a March for Life rally. Fair enough. But then in the face of them pushing back against the black Israelites, like, there you go. I mean, there's the space. And what's interesting is it is actually, in my opinion, this sort of overreach that creates those plausible deniability, you mm. know, slices that, that you're talking sure. about. Because, for instance, the, the Tomahawk kids or the kids who did the Florida State chant or there's actually there's a, another video of a kid who may or may not even be at Covington Catholic who at some point during that day, maybe, uh, well, I mean, he definitely said it, but I don't know that it was that day even, uh, you know, said some, some, uh, just a terrible thing to, uh, uh, like a counter protester at the March. Was that the, the rape joke? He yeah. Said, he said, it's not uh, rape. If you enjoy it's it, it's not rape. If you enjoy it. And right? that video had like 12 kids. So, in it. so it all, wasn't the whole group of kids there. Right. Right. So that kid, the Tomahawk kids, all them, they, they most certainly, uh, need to be, you know, if they were, if I found out that they were suspended from school, I would have no qualms yeah. about it. Absolutely. I think their parents should most certainly talk to them and all that stuff. But because we want to throw people in wood chippers and because we want to take those kids and say that this entire group of kids was acting racist, despite any evidence we see to the contrary, that's what it had to be because they were white and had a MAGA hat on. You're going to get pushback. Your argument is not unassailable. And now that that plausible deniability exists, grows, that gap because grows. you over you 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 overreach. Well, I think a lot of people feel like they didn't overreach, right? I mean, so more videos continued to come out uh, about the Covington Catholic kids. Uh, you had the black, the two kids in black, total black face, black body uh, at a basketball game. Um, yeah, but if we want to talk, you know, plausible deniability, the, the, when that video comes out, right? Uh, everybody apparently forgot that blackouts, whiteouts, redouts is something that we've been doing at sporting events for the last 15, 16 years. Yes, there are two kids uh, in that image. Actually, it was an image, not a video uh, of uh, uh, that have like white around their <laughs> yeah. mouths. And, and it looks very much so like blackface. Um, I, I don't know exactly what was going on there. There was no reason to paint white around it, it their seems, mouths. Yeah, I that mean, seems that seems ill advised to say the least. Absolutely. But this is the way that picture was presented. There's a black kid in the foreground on the court. Right. And it says, look at all these kids taunting this black kid and da da da. He's on the rival team. Like they're in they're they're doing a blackout. Like, you know, that's where the whole crowd wears black. It's called a blackout. Yeah. I, like they, they I, do it across the country. I understand that, but at the same time, the white around the lips, uh, you know, I think I think there's they were probably Harkening back to you know Sambo days and shit. Why? That because they're racist assholes. Why? Because they're Catholic school kids, right? Rich white Catholic school. So kids. they have to be racist. See, Not, to me, digging back in here for something that happened six see, years ago isn't even involved with I, the MAGA I agree. kids. It's not involved. It's with the those exact MAGA same kids. thing as going through Trayvon's Facebook feed or going through you know any any of the numerous you know black people who have been shot by the police. 
going through their their feeds and Saying finding he pictures stole a, out he of stole context, a blunt rap. He, it must have been his fault. And to me, it's the same thing. I get what you're saying that there's extra context when you when you're talking about what's going on with police shootings. But what I'm saying is, we talk often on this show, or at least we've mentioned it, you know, more than a handful of times. Do you want to bring everyone down to the same shitty level, or do you want to raise everyone up to the same? Well, level? and I and I want to raise everyone up to the same level. I feel <coughs> like you know, kids deserve the benefit of the doubt, and I feel like we've res- removed that benefit of doubt. From, from these kids, but I think a lot of black people are sitting around going, well, we never had the benefit of the doubt to begin with. We still don't have the benefit of the doubt, so why should we extend it to these kids? Because, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, that, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say, do unto others, you know, as you would have do, done unto you. Right, the good, the gold, that good is, old Christian golden rule, yes, turn the other cheek and I'll slap you It's not again. turn the other cheek. You stand up and you make noise, but if there is a shitty behavior that's being done to you, doing that shitty behavior and perpetrating it is not the way to make it go away. You know, I agree. I, I you know agree. I mean? and, I, and I guess my, my disagreement doesn't go terribly far because I understand, you know, why. I understand why. As a black person, you never got the benefit of the doubt. Why the hell should we extend I understand it resentment to these for kids? Sure. Now, I don't, I don't understand taking that to the point of death threats and doxing. Yeah. Um, you know, public shaming? Absolutely. And you know what? You take your kids, your 16-year-old kids, to a March for Life rally in a place as public as D.C., and I got no problem with public shaming. No. You know what I'm saying? If it, was, if it was closed setting or whatever, privacy, you know, yada, yada, eh, I think that's crossing lines. But, man, they, they put themselves in the position to be blasted in front of the world, you know, and, and we do that. I mean, if you send your kid to a field trip in DC, they may be videotaped doing some crazy stuff. Well, that's, no, that's, that's crazy. Like we can't, I don't think we can allow the full weight of the internet hate machine. Uh, you, you, Hey, you got what you were asking for because you stepped into a public space. I mean, I I don't think, no, I I think you're (laughs) misunderstanding me. I'm not saying I'm saying yes, to an extent, you know what I'm saying? To, to a free speech extent, you know, if, if my daughter is videotaped doing some horrible shit in public, I, you know, I, you get what you deserve at some point. Now you don't deserve dox, doxing and death threats, okay. but you, you might deserve, uh, you know, that video being posted on Twitter and going, look at how horrible this person was, you know, look at this poor behavior. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying is like, I can, I can understand the outrage and, and the anger to a point. Right. And I think, but see, I think that is the key is to a point when I saw people four or five days later, start to bring up the, the, you know, I won't call it what about because that has a negative connotation. That's not how I'm trying to portray it. But when they started saying things like, you know, Trayvon never got the benefit of the doubt. Right. I think that's a good thing. That is that right there is the, a good thing. People to, saying it, not to, that Trayvon didn't to get the point at that. The doubt, no, right? no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. People saying it to point at that and to highlight it, be like, Hey, you're saying that we should have gave these kids the benefit of the doubt. Well, Trayvon didn't get the benefit of the doubt. And then we have a discussion about the line there is where you say Trayvon didn't get the benefit of the doubt. So you kid who was, you know, what 10 when Trayvon happened, you do get all the bad shit that's coming to you. So no, that's the line that you're crossing. We remove the benefit of, of the doubt for the white oppressor instead of, instead of giving the benefit of the doubt, to, right. to black folks, right. which they've always deserved. Yeah, and I think part of it is because that's that's what I'm saying. I think with this incident, we we turned that corner 
on that particular issue, the whole question of are we raising people up or are we pulling them down? I feel like for a good portion of the people, at least, you know, on social media, it was completely 100% okay to dehumanize and vilify this dude just because he was white and had a MAGA hat on to the point where six days later, we're still saying he deserved everything he got despite Uh. the video evidence. Uh. And to me, that is all you're doing is encouraging the people who have been doing awful shit like that for years to keep on doing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're not saying, Hey, this is wrong. You're saying, well, you've done it to me. So we're all going to do it now. And they're like, well, hell yeah, we're all about that. Cause we've been doing it the whole damn time. You know what I mean? So you haven't solved or fixed anything and it's, it's frightening to me. Yeah. Well, I think as a, as a white guy, it is, it is kind of frightening. I mean, I can see a world. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. You kind of yeah. gave me a, you know, like a side. Well, I'm I saying look, like, but, I, but no, really, that's in, not the, f- I'm, in, I'm not worried for my personal safety. No, I'm worried for, for my kids' safety in 30 years and 50 years. If, it, if, if the trend continues, uh, white people are on schedule to become a minority in the United States. Yeah. I, I mean, really le- le- legitimately. So if, if a wave of dehumanization is growing, um, you know, I feel like we should stop it. Yeah. Well, and that's what I, I, for me, I'm talking about like for the health of the nation, like dehumanization is bad. The fact, whether it's, whether it's directed towards white guys or incels or Spanish people or whoever the hell it's, uh, uh, whatever it's directed towards is awful. And I, and I don't want to see it progress. And, and, and even worse, I think it, it, puts us that much closer to the brink. Mm. It puts us that much closer to a disaster that we can't come back from. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like I, again, I, I I'm worried that I'm swept up, uh, in this incident and the way that it's gone this week. I've, I've thought about it a lot, but at the same time, like to see people deny reality hardcore for six days scares the hell out of me. Yeah. And especially with with all the things that we have coming at us, you know, over the next 10 or 15 years. Yeah. That's that's for me really that's why I wanted to do this episode today is because of the broader implications. Um, you know, I we talked about like getting away from doing these outrage stories and stuff, but I think this thing kind of transcends and and the things that you see about how it how it broke on Twitter, how Twitter handled it, the fact that Twitter matters. To that extent, uh, the <laughs> way the, the media heck handled does Twitter it. matter. Well, it's that's funny because I'm on Twitter and I see these conversations happening, and and I'm left with this sense of like that is that is the entirety of the conversation. You know, is these yeah. two warring Twitter tribes, and I really have found myself uh, in in deep reflection on on two arguments, two opposite sides of arguments that aren't even necessarily real. Yeah, they're this tiny vocal minority on Twitter, you know, spatting back and forth and there's 20,000 of them. So they get 20,000 tweets and they hit my timeline on either side. So I'm left with this sense, like that is the argument, right? When that's a lot of times, not even the case. Ah, but, but, but it is the case. There's actually, and, and I love that we're talking about this because if you remember last year, I had railed for a little while about how Twitter was just two warring classes of intellectuals and it didn't really matter because the majority of America isn't on Twitter. Mm. Twitter's actually the smallest of like the major social media platforms. Right. There's only 335 million people on Twitter, which <laughs> I know that's a lot, <laughs> but when you put it, you know, there's a billion some odd people on Facebook or, yeah, or let's whatever. Let's cut it out is. the bots and it's yeah, less yeah, than that. Yeah, know? yeah, no doubt. 
Well, David French at National Review had a wonderful piece uh, that he wrote about this. And it was uh, why Twitter is even more toxic than you think. And I want to read a couple a couple quotes from that. He says, uh, you know, first he makes the case that obviously in any given field, the people who care the most are going to get the largest say, right? Like, so if you're, you know, the people who actually show up to parent teacher or the the school board meetings and stuff, right? They're going to shape the discussion yeah, about the, the school board policies. So French says. Twitter can present any, give, any given activist with a near-exclusive look at the other side of the aisle. Thus, MAGA Twitter is Trump's America. Social justice Twitter is progressive America. And to the extent that other influencers, CEOs, studio heads, government bureaucrats, etc., are online themselves, they're often captured by the same hysteria. He goes on to say, The gap between the engaged online few and the real-world many only grows. I'm consistently asked by those in the former group how Trump supporters stick with him in spite of the long list of scandals for which every political Twitter user can cite chapter and verse. My first answer is simple. Trump supporters often have no idea the scandals of the day even exist. Mm. They erupt. They're hashed out in a day's or a week's worth of tweets and disposable news stories, and they pass from the scene before they penetrate the larger offline culture. In the meantime, the leaders of both political parties, allied activists, and their constellation of vocal followers grow ever more radicalized. Real-world decisions continue to be made in response to temper tantrums by a surprisingly small number of people. Mm. So even though the majority of us aren't on Twitter and involved in those, those arguments, the kingmakers, the decision makers, they are very much. The decision makers are. And so then you start looking at how a story like this gets boosted by Twitter, right? So this, this video popped up Saturday morning, but it was posted by an account. It was at uh, 2020 Fight, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Well, turns out on Monday, according to the Washington Post, uh, Twitter announced Monday that one of the main accounts behind the viral tweets about the episode had been suspended, saying that its rules prohibit deliberate attempts to manipulate the public conversation on Twitter by using misleading account information. Sam Riddell, a master student at Georgetown, said in a tweet that he had found evidence that at 2020 fight was available for hire on the site Shoutcart, which allows people to pay influencers to post content. Mm. So, you know, one of the interesting things about Twitter is unlike Reddit, Reddit, you can upvote or you can downvote. Yeah, something. you can absolutely bury opinions on Twitter, with downvotes. If you're going to interact negatively with something on Twitter, you, you kind of have to retweet it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you or see a lot of people do it. screen caps, but a lot of it is commenting and retweeting and then the likes and everything. And all that drives how many people see it. Right. That all boosts the signal. Right. Therefore, even being critical of an idea on Twitter is actually boosting the signal. Yeah. And so Twitter is very much set up to boost inflammatory, divisive, outrageous things just like this video. Right. And and then sure enough... Now you've got Twitter driving it. You've got the kingmakers talking about it. You've got everybody doing their indignation or defending the boys or, you know, whatever, whatever they do. And then you've got the journalists who keep their finger right. on the pulse following along with this Twitter conversation as it explodes. So I'm and sure newsrooms news yeah. everywhere were like, holy crap, guys, this video has been shared two million times. Someone's going to break the story. We got to say something. Yeah. Um, so they've got to have a story uh, now. You know, right. immediately before it gets too big. Um, so we've got a Washington Post story titled A Viral Story Spread. The mainstream media rushed to keep up, 
the Trump internet pounced. And, and this is from the Washington Post. As the story picked up speed on social media, a Washington Post editor assigned reporters to cover it. At about 3 p.m. on Saturday, one reporter spoke to Phillips about what happened. Others called the Catholic school and the local diocese looking for a statement from someone who could represent the students in the video. The reporters weren't aware of a critical third element in the scene, the Hebrew Israelites who had been taunting the high school boys moments before the viral video began. At 5 p.m. on Saturday, still unaware of the moments preceding the viral video, the Post published its first story on what would become a days-long national argument about racism, the media, and masculinity. The headline, It Was Getting Ugly, Native American Drummer Speaks on His Encounter with MAGA Hat-Wearing Teens. The article quoted Phillips, saying he felt threatened by the teens. It also included a statement from the Catholic Diocese of Covington, commending, condemning, I'm sorry, the actions of the students seen in the video in which they appeared to mock and taunt the Native American activist. And what's interesting about that is in real time, by the time that story comes out, the other videos are starting to surface. They've been out for about an hour and a half or, or two hours. I, like I said, I believe it was about three o'clock in the afternoon when I first saw the video of Phillips approaching the boys. So, you know, a journalist has to like sit down and write the article, yeah. right? And and they're doing their best to keep up, but now Twitter and real life has beat them to the punch even before they even know it. That's right. And so they run with this story, and what does it look like? It looks like fake news. Because now you have this this contradictory evidence, at least to, you know, a portion of people. Uh, they're looking at videos that don't really comport with what Phillips is saying in this story because we quoted what Phillips was saying and it doesn't fit. And it looks like the Washington Post is spinning a fabrication. Right. And and I think that they have got to uh, relearn how they're going to go about this because this is not going to work. No, this is this is scary. I mean, it... it, it... Can can a reporter not trust a source at all? You know what I'm saying? Like right. if people are are spinning narratives and, and maybe maybe Phillips really felt the way he said he did. Yeah. That's you know, maybe he felt threatened by the maybe he misunderstood. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough place to be in when we as a society are taking these things and spinning them up in a matter of hours. Right. Um, you know, this this all this all happened over like a 12 hour period. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it evolved while we were sleeping. Yeah. And it was yeah. something different the next morning. Yeah. How can we expect uh, news organizations to, to provide us with accounts? And I think well, I think where the media jumped the shark was was in the rush to provide a narrative. Right. You know, I think. The video was enough. We had we had the video, show the video, talk about the video, but it was clear I read a CNN story that was describing uh you know what happened and the video they posted along with it was one of the larger videos with a little more context. Yeah. And it did not match the text. It right. did not at all. I mean, I'm yeah. watching the video while I'm reading the story. So there there was an editor there who who completely failed. You yeah. know, I, that was verifying that was as simple as watching the, you know, the, the 20 minutes of video they provided yeah. and, and reading what was written. So, well, I, I have think, a question. I, I think, I think the way they fix it is in the tone of their articles, right? So, okay. So they get a hold of Phillips and they haven't got a hold of the kids yet. Say that in the article. Say, you know what I mean? Well, Be like, I think there were bits and pieces of it in some of these articles. I, I think there were like in the first if we go all the way back to the, the the first Washington Post account, 
you know, they mention that there were no that chance. build the wall is not in that video, right? That right. we're not in that video. So right. I think there were hints of that. Some some publications were not as good as yeah. others. No, obviously. there was a ton. There were some. Uh, we're talking. Uh, I saw a story early Monday morning, uh, and then another story late uh, Monday afternoon that was still saying that the boys swarmed around Phillips. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there were, and, and I think that some of that, you know, we've talked before about the ideological makeup of these newsrooms. I think that some of that is because just like everyone else, they, you know, MAGA wearing kids go to a Catholic school and all that stuff. And they kind of felt that that's probably what happened themselves. Yeah. But if you're going to shake this fake news label, if you're going to not keep getting hit, you know, with the fake news, then you're going to have to somehow put in your stories like this is breaking, if true, and, and emphasize it. You have to go out of your way right. to emphasize it and get that across that things are still developing and we're not exactly sure yet. Yes. I think I think the emotionally charged headlines that have that have driven clicks and shares, um, you know, and likes, all the things that advertisers love, the only way that news companies are making money, you know, they're not they're not making money on you. You're you're right. not paying for the news. Uh, you know, I think it, it, they got to shoot themselves in the foot at some point, or we yeah. got to start paying for news or something yeah. like well, me, something's got to give, man. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what I think would be the wrong approach uh, to that situation, fake news and all that good stuff. This also came out of that Washington post article that you just quoted uh, for the students and their defenders attempts by the media to widen the narrative of the first viral video came too late. Online vigilantes had identified the teens. Salmon said he had received physical and death threats via social media as well as hateful insults. Now a new viral outrage emerged. This time, the villain of the story was the news media. That outrage came from a parallel universe online, <laughs> one that has been waiting for a moment like this. The pro-Trump internet has for years worked to create a media environment that is designed to destroy the traditional news media and replace it. <laughs> to me, that sounds like there's no, you know, we're again, back to the dark clouds. We're not of holding our, yeah, we're not holding ourselves accountable at all. And it's really interesting in light of the fact that the BuzzFeed debacle happened the day before this. And, and to his credit, there's a guy, Jeffrey Tubin on CNN, who said, I think this, you know, when the buzz, for those who don't know, BuzzFeed broke a story uh, saying that Trump had instructed Michael Cohen to lie to the Mueller investigation the Mueller's office later came out that day and, and pretty firmly said, no, no, that's yeah, not what that's we've not got. True. Yeah. And he said, this is a bad day for the media. And, and Brian Stelter, who's on CNN on a show called reliable sources was sitting there and saying, no, no, no. I mean, you know, these things happen. Like he was kind of like pushing back against that. And it's like, guys, you are capable of screwing up. Okay. Now it's not fair. It's not fair that you were finishing up your story when the other video, it's, it's, it's not, I'm, I, but this is a new world and we're all going to have to try to figure out how to live with it. Yeah. We're all going to have to figure out what the hell to do with Twitter because it does matter. I hate to say, I don't, I don't even like that coming out of my mouth, but it's true. It matters because all the movers and shakers are there and that's the reality that they're being slammed with in the face every day. Yeah. And I got another question for you. What's going to happen with like fake videos really become a thing? I don't even, I don't even want to go there. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, the deep fake guy, the guy who was faking porn videos and selling them, um, was doing some convincing fakes. Yeah. He was taking like, uh, celebrities faces and putting them on and the bodies, putting them of, on porn the bodies of porn stars. And they look pretty freaking convincing. I'm sure most of us have seen the Adobe videos of, of, you know, their, their new technology It's not released yet to the public, but you got to think. 
Uh, the actual technology is probably many years ahead of what we're actually seeing yeah. filtered down to the public. I would not be surprised if uh, if governments across the world, if China, if Russia, if if we, our own government, is not perfectly capable of putting together quality fake video. I mean, we've seen we've seen the video of Obama uh, saying you know some made up shit. Yeah, it yeah. looks. I mean, it, you can kind of tell. Yeah, but that but was that, years ago. But that that gap's going to get smaller. And the every gap day. is getting smaller. Fake video is coming every single it's day. Something we have to deal with. And fake video combined with Twitter outrage, mm-hmm. um, combined with outrage culture. I mean, can you imagine a world where maybe maybe you're a political activist and you're making headway on an issue, and you know a video comes out of you wearing a MAGA hat, yeah. you know, saying some racist shit. How right. do you defend yourself against yeah. a media empire who is set up? Uh, you know, right above the Twitter, right above the Twitter sphere, yeah, and and yeah. the Twitter outrage starts, and you can't tell people it's fake. Yeah. How are you going to tell people it's fake? Yeah. We can see you; it's right there. Like exactly. I what we we need a what we need public defenders with uh with forensic video forensic people just you know yeah. like what is <laughs> and I think I think what what's weird is that you know uh, Washington Post their their own worst fears there you may even see that come to life you may see. Completely faked videos just so the Washington Post will report on it. And then they can point at it and say they didn't do their due diligence. This video isn't real. What like setups? You know, I I see a world where that's coming. You know, interestingly, back in the 90s, there was a movie called Wag the Dog. And it was a really interesting movie. It had uh, Dustin Hoffman in it and I think Robert De Niro. But um, it it was interesting because it was really taken like real life events and immediately there it is in movie form because what they did was in this movie, they are two Hollywood producers, like a director and a producer and the government comes to them. There is a scandal involving the sitting president, not unlike the Lewinsky scandal (laughs) that was happening at the time. And they say, we need a distraction. Can you create a war with like fake video and, and you know, clips from other things staging scenes where like uh, refugees are being interviewed and stuff Ooh. and getting anchors in on it and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and, and it looked a lot like what was going on in Kosovo at the time. <laughs> and, you know, I remember, I remember watching that movie and thinking, man, that's, that's going to happen someday in the future and stuff. It's the future. Yeah. That's, I, that's going to happen very soon. I mean, I, you know, I, the the government using it. I mean, the, yeah, they're probably going to. You know what I'm saying? Oh, to some extent. I think but, if you think they're not, you're you're fooling but yourself. But regardless right? of of how deep down they're using you know, Twitter bots. And, regardless of how deep down the the conspiracy hole you want to go with this, fake news is going or fake videos are going to disrupt all manner of our life when it comes to this, especially with the Twitter beast doing what it's doing. It has to. I don't see any way around it. I mean, I I I see what's going on. And and here it comes. And and what what are we gonna do? You know, yeah. I, I don't know. What am I gonna do? You can't trust your eyes. We are in this this state of total uncertainty around the world uh, about the world around us, other right. than our the the tiny bubble we actually observe. Yeah. You know, technology is, has has managed to to put a video camera in everyone's hands, and we can all you know we can all film that and and share it, and it's and it's good. And I think. You know, it's it's creating communications that would never happen. It's creating connections that never would happen. But we're about to poison the well yeah, <laughs> in yeah. a really big way. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's why you know, taken all together, that's why I'm so worried about you know turning that corner. Like I said, because in that world, 
in that that world where there there isn't an objective reality anymore, where objective reality can be manipulated and and yeah. you know what I mean and all that stuff, and it's all subjective stories. Your first inclination is to run with stereotypes and assumptions. So it, to not let it descend into madness, we're going to have to work extra hard not to do that. To to question things and to say, hang on, wait a minute, maybe I'm I'm assuming too much and stuff. And right now, this week. It doesn't feel like that's the path we're taking. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I could see a world where uh, where a police department shoots a, a, a Trayvon Martin, a Tamir Rice, a, a Brown, and video, you know, shows up the next day. Fabricates Ma- the dash fab- cam. Yeah, yeah, fabricates the dash cam. Exactly. Yeah. Like, everyone should be scared. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't, you know... We need to start backing away from the initial outrage. We need to yeah. hold people accountable at the same time for their yeah. actions. Um, but I think I think we're we're entering clusterfuck territory. I really yeah. do. I don't think I don't think any of us are prepared for what's coming, yeah. especially if a state actor starts faking video. Yeah. Um, God, we start faking video about Putin or Maduro or you know whoever for yeah. whatever reason to get whatever we want, and 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 who's to argue with it? You know yeah. what? Are you going to listen to the talking heads on the other team? Who say the video is gonna the, the video's faked, or are you yeah. gonna listen to the talking heads you're on a, the other team who say it's real? Because once it happens, the first time the accusation of fake video gets used, that's it. Like it's gonna get tossed every single time. Yeah. It's gonna, well, it's it's probably fake video and stuff. So we're gonna have to learn how to do something that humanity has never had to do. Two hundred years ago, if uh, you know, if if Aaron Burr shot John or uh, shot Alexander Hamilton, right? It would be two months before somebody out in Missouri would hear about that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Before they could get worked up and upset. We've never had to deal with this kind of instantaneous information. We're we're just now starting to like talk about that and cope with that. That every you know, we're starting to talk about the outrage and stuff. And now you want to turn it on its head and say that there is no, (laughs) there is no way to know which way is the right way. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be really hard for us and we really need to check and get our shit together, uh, before we move forward, man. If there's anyone who does know the right way forward, at least thinks he does. It's Beanzo, our fact oh. checker extraordinaire, who is also back from break. We're going to, we're going to start out pumping him up like that. Is that what we're going to do? I have to. Let me tell you, I missed this. Being humiliated by Beanzo, missed the hell out of this the two months we were gone. Beans, what you got for us today, bud? Oh, yeah. The moment all my buddies have been waiting for has finally arrived. Throw your rings in the fires and light the beacons, because it's the return of the beans. I'm excited. New year, new beans. I'm invested, rested, collected, and ready to protect the objective. Glad to be back. Or at least I was. Then I sat through this episode, and I gotta tell you, buddies, now it feels like that first day back at school after winter break. You remember that feeling, right? You wake up early in the morning, all groggy because you've been sleeping in for two weeks, but you think, nah, it's cool. I'm gonna hang out with my friends today. Plus, I've got shop this semester, and the table saw is pretty cool. But then the table saw tries to compare itself to Dan Carlin, or your math teacher shows up completely unprepared and says there were five or six black Israelites when there were four. Next, your science teacher thinks the Trayvon Martin incident was six years ago when it was seven. Then, 
Billy Johnson insists at lunch that a journalist got fired over a school shooting tweet. Now, you know, Eric Abris was fired for saying, I just want these people to die and their parents. But Billy doesn't care. Nah, Billy and his buddy, Terry, are the type of kids to cover the Covington incident, bring up social media manipulation, and conveniently leave out the fact that the MAGA kids hired Mitch McConnell's PR firm. Then steal your best slammer and that cool pog with the skull that's an eight ball. So yeah, it's bittersweet. But at least you, my adoring public, are once again getting the quality fact-checking you so richly deserve. When life gives you lemons, launch your solo career off their podcast. This is your old buddy Beanzo for the Sense and Theory Podcast, a show that's above outrage culture and is in no way two white male right-wing apologists masquerading as centrists, playing lip service to social justice while undercutting it at every turn. Signing off. Fellas, back to you. Look, I, I don't know how I could be an apologist for anything. I've never voted Republican. I probably never will vote Republican, barring some major changes in the future to the party. That old familiar feeling of a sick, sick burn. God, I hate him. <laughs> hate him. Anyway, let's move right along. Uh, thanks for joining us for the episode today. Um, there's a lot of things that we probably left unsaid. You know, this is one of those conversations that could go on for for hours and hours and hours. Hopefully, you guys are at home having your own conversations uh, because I think that's what we need uh, to move forward as a nation that's not so terribly polarized and divided. Absolutely, and we're going to be here with you guys every step of the way. But as we had alluded to towards the end of last year, our schedule is going to be changing just a little bit. So this episode will be coming out on January 31st, and the next episode will not be there until February 14th. We are officially an every other week podcast now. We'll still be there on Thursdays to help you get through that last day before Friday, but it'll be every two weeks now instead of every one week. Yep, and in case you thought we were at home twiddling our thumbs over this break, we were not. We were actually preparing our plans for world domination. I mean, uh, yes. putting together a Patreon account. So if you enjoy listening to the Sense and Theory podcast even a couple times, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Theory. Uh, give us a buck. Give us two bucks. If you're a tall biker, maybe give us 10 bucks. Yeah, you never know. We uh, we would appreciate it nonetheless. Um, I think that's got us uh, for today. Is there anything that you more than likely would like to add? Man, New Year's resolutions. That's all huh. I can say. I'll be damned. Hey folks, it's Sense, one-third of the Sense and Theory podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, check us out at senseandtheorypodcast.com, where you'll find links to all our social media. You can reach out to us on Facebook, argue with us on Twitter, or send us an angry email. But just knowing you guys are out there keeps us going. If you really enjoy the show, hit up patreon.com slash senseandtheory and chip in a buck or two for coffee, beer, and the server bill that keeps going up with every subscriber we get. Even if you can't afford to give your monetary support, we'll be here cutting through the bias and extremism to try and find some common ground about things that matter.